This is Symposium. After I finished the book, I wanted to know exactly what the truth behind that was. Krishna opens his mouth and she looks at his mouth and she sees the whole universe. If you go back and watch Friends, they never talk about politics. And it's not a big surprise, but it's kind of like, really? Like it never came up? He had to reevaluate his whole student senate and they, he straight up told them we need to reevaluate ourselves and check ourselves. Which is fascinating and wonderful in so many different ways. Christian Watts, a now-graduated history major who focused on African-American history, explored the events that took place before and after the protest at Pierce Hall in 1969. She was first interested in speaking at the undergraduate symposium after attending EMU's senior student seminar. After spending hours in Eastern's historical archives, she found a topic she really connected with. And I ended up finding out, which I didn't know, that Eastern had huge protests during the 60s, 69, which is where my paper focuses on, and it, and it was for student rights. Eastern Michigan University was no different than many other schools across the nation in 1969. Following the height of the civil rights movement, Black students were still not receiving the same treatment and resources as their white peers, and they demanded equality. They honestly were asking for the exact same things that were given to the other student populations. Simple things like they, they wanted dorm access. Unfortunately, they wanted more access to the media because um, Eastern Echo during that time and other media outlets weren't really focusing on African-American issues on that time. So they specifically wanted more media attention. They wanted more Black teachers, more Black faculty in a whole as a whole. Just more Black representation as a whole, unfortunately, because there was none. Christian's research specifically focuses on a battle between Black students and campus leadership. In this case, campus leadership refers to both EMU's administration and the university's student senate. The main thing the paper focuses on the protests and what and how the Eastern administration kind of forced the protest in a way because of their neglect of the student, just the basic student rights, because they started small. They started talking to the medias first. They started footwork. But unfortunately, the medias weren't weren't receptive. And then they tried reaching out to faculty. They tried reaching out to the student senate. Unfortunately, they had to do a mini protest towards the student senate to get more black representation. The student senate president at that time, Richard Scutt actually um, released a article to the Eastern Echo saying that he, after the protest, he had to reevaluate his whole, the whole student senate. And they, he straight up told them was like, we need to reevaluate ourselves and check ourselves, basically, because we have been, unfortunately, ignoring everything that's been going on during that time. But at that point, it was almost too late. Um, the Black Org BSA, Black Student Association, they were already planning to be more vocal and were planning the protests. So by the time that the Student Senate had finally found out about it, everybody was on board. Then we got the Eastern Echo. Then recognition started. So the protest was honestly like the next week by that, that time. And unfortunately, as well as everybody finding out information about trying to support, it was negative. Um, information too. So unfortunately, somebody told the president of Eastern at the time, um, Harold Sponberg, about the takedown or takeover. The takedown Christian is referring to was the peaceful protest in which students changed themselves inside Pierce Hall on February 20th of 1969. At the time, Pierce Hall was the campus's administration building. 
and he had six plainclothes officers already in the building before they got there the next morning. Well, their plan was to sit outside of Sponberg's office, and they simply just wanted to speak to him when he got into the office in the morning because weeks prior, they were contacting and um, co constantly getting kind of put off by his um, secretary at the time. Like, there was, there was a while where they were just constantly trying to go through with the secretary. They were having, like, their general board meeting that day with the student senate as well, so they just wanted to be ahead of the and just um, want to be there and just sit in to vocally to put a face to their demands. It consisted of everybody. So black students, white students, of course. Christian explains that though they were both black and white students at the protests, the majority of white turnout was due to the participation of the student senate members and the reporters on the scene from the Eastern Echo. Like 90% of my um, resources are all Eastern Echo articles. So Eastern Echo was there front lines. The student senate was there front lines. So that kind of accounts for, because at that time, Eastern Echo only had white employees and the student senate only had white employees. So that's where the white support mainly came from, but the other mass majority of it was the black students. So we had the Black Student Association current day and then the Black Student Union current day. So it consisted of mainly those four orgs, but then of course, general support. And they actually got a, got a lot of support from a lot of um, off-campus people. The teachers, unfortunately, faculty wasn't really in, involved. He was the only black faculty at the time on Harold Sponberg's um, administration. His name was Ken Moon. Um, and he was kind of trying to be the middleman between the admin and the black students, but unfortunately there was no really connect there. Um, so as, as of faculty and administration, it really wasn't any participation. Um, but a lot of faculty was interviewed for a whole bunch of um, Eastern Echo articles. So they were very vocal about their opinions, but they weren't, they definitely weren't participating, unfortunately. And then once the arrests happened, was there a shift in what was going on during the protest? Yes, there was a slight uptick. So at that point, so the protesters started to get a little rowdy slightly, but it is the state marshal and it's just a group of men like lined up with their batons <laughs> um, blocking the door. So the students shift and they all start to walk towards the president's house which is now currently on Hewitt. So they began to march that way. So the police caught wind of where they were going and kind of like beat them there. And so when they got there, it was also another arraignment of US marshals like blocking the door, blocking the entrance. Um, no violence though, thank God. Um, nobody was hurt. There was no, I mean, there was words between each other. It was mainly just a lot of heated words. The mass majority of them, um, both white and black students were taken. They were mainly all persecuted with disturbing the peace, unlawful assembly, and a threat. I forgot what the exact word was it, but supposedly because of those huge words that were exchanged, supposedly it was a police threat between one of the pro protesters and the police. Newspaper articles from that day state 14 EMU students were arrested at the demonstration. Even with students being arrested, Harold Sponberg was still seemingly unwilling to work with Black students. This unwillingness led to several more protests in the years following the Pierce sit-in of 1969. 
So like their last student gathering, I think in 73, Spomberg, they finally started to be lenient. We got the Brotherhood, Brotherhood dorms um, in cellars. What we have now, so we have Brotherhood and Sisterhood dorms. There's, um, everybody can live on them, but they're mainly um, African-American dorms. We, in 79, and with the protests, they were able to um, get African-American studies program in the library. That's where our African-American studies and literature section, it came from that. So it honestly was just a whole bunch of little small protests um, that led, that contributed to the rest of like the accomplishments. But there were several protests, because like I said, mine was just, was the, was the big one. Was there ever a meeting between black students in Spomberg or was he just kind of taking pieces from the protest and implementing them into the university? Yeah, there was a small meeting. So the, the one um, black faculty that I mentioned, Moon, he um, tried to, so in the height of the protest, so when they were literally about to arrest them all, um, he comes out and first, when they got there, before they're getting arrested, they asked if Sponberg was there and the secretary said that he wasn't. Later, when they start um, arresting, then the faculty, Moon comes out and he was, he was saying how Sponberg, you know, says this, this, and this. And then it's like, well, one, the secretary said he wasn't there. Two, why can't he just come out and speak to us like why like why is he sending you know the 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 black man to, to come speak to us when we want to speak to you that is all her purpose so he had a meeting with the leaders bob smith the faculty ken moon and one other who was flipping my mind so three protesters in in, in all went and spoke with him but from some files that i found in the bsa archives box they didn't really come to a conclusion about anything. It kind of was just the ideas bouncing back off each other. Nobody was really listening. According to Christian, Sponberg's inattentiveness wasn't only harmful to the Black students of Eastern Michigan University, but the entire student body. The reason why the student, well, one of the reasons why the student senate was so distracted and not really paying attention to the Black issues was because they themselves were going to war with Sponberg because he was neglecting the students as a whole. They just wanted one simple student representation at the board meetings. And they basically were going back and forth. Sponberg was like, no, this is an admin environment. We have you guys' best interests at heart, but we don't see why you have to be in the meeting. So it just, it turned into just a general, just neglect for students as a whole. His responses didn't change after the protest. He just mainly was concerned with camp, was literally campus dissent. Because at that point, you know, Eastern was the number one teaching college. And his thing was the, we're teaching the nation type thing. So we have to keep our image up. So he still never really addressed the student demands until almost like a year or two. Because he was still busy trying to make everybody understand that that's, you know, Eastern's not one of those places, you know, where we're all cool, calm, and collected here, and we don't have those problems, while simultaneously ignoring and causing those exact problems. My goal in presenting was to just mainly to put out the idea that we just need to be very forefront in our education. Because the administrations, a lot of them, they do have our best in heart because they 
a lot of them have our, our best at heart because they have no choice. So um, the vast majority of this was just to bring a light to administration versus the students, but to also put a spotlight on black students particularly, because the main difference I found in my research was that even though Sponberg was going head to head with the student senate, they had several meetings between each other um, versus the black students. He didn't meet with them at all until they were getting arrested. And even after that, his focus was still more towards, I want to say, the white population because even though the campus, you know, so the protests were going on, after they kind of died down, he his focus went back to the student senate problems. He started doing what the student senate wanted, but he still was purposely neglecting the black population specifically. And so that was just, just the main point of just administration versus the students, but to still take that the students, unfortunately, they're still prioritized within themselves. So still the black population of the students was neglected almost the entire time. We've gotten better, like there's a whole bunch of black representation on campus, of course. Um, but unfortunately, there's a whole bunch of neglect as well. So if anything, it just especially it just makes me want to push the idea of unity, especially on this campus. Unfortunately, even with the, the orgs, there's a disconnect, unfortunately, between us all. And there, unfortunately, is a huge disconnect between the Black orgs and the rest of the population orgs. Overall, I don't want to be like that, but it's, it's the students against the admin. And we have to stick together because they, unfortunately, they have an all they have the have a goal um, in my opinion and sometimes we're not the first people of that goal so if we are all on the same page we can get closer to making sure that we all are the university's number one goal which we as students should be anyways thank you so much to christian for being so willing and excited to speak with me the 1969 protests and those that followed shortly after are so important to remember to learn more about the Undergraduate Symposium, visit emish.edu forward slash symposium. You can find more from the Eastern Echo at easternecho.com and reach our podcast section at podcast at easternecho.com. A special thanks to Amy Berenger for her help with this series. This episode was written by me, Kylie Gilligan, and produced by Lauren Smith. Thanks for listening to Symposium. Make sure to check out our next episode of this series this coming Tuesday.